are hungry for your word. We are thirsty. We desire you, Lord, with all of our heart. Even every guest that's here today, touch every heart. Touch every person in this place. But go deeper than a touch. Change us. Change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change our heart. Change our families. Touch our kids. Touch our lives. Bring adjustment where adjustment is needed in the disciples. Father, we thank you for that today. and We give you honor and glory even before your word comes out. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, come on, give him praise one more time. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Let me quickly just encourage you this Saturday, Pastors Al and Tava Bryce are going to be here. We're even uh, making breakfast this Saturday, but there are two people that are very dear to our family, even to Bishop and Mama Deb, and they're coming from North Carolina, and you talk about a man and woman of God that bring the word. They don't speak out of their own opinion. They speak the word of God. And I'm so excited about them coming Saturday. We're going to have worship together, and then the men are going to go to one place, and the women to another place. Miss Tava's going to speak to all the women. Pastor Al's going to speak to all the men on this Saturday. So I encourage you at 8.30, is that right, Danielle? 8.30? 8.30 this Saturday. Come out hungry, ready for the word. And then Pastor Al's going to be with us on Sunday and speak the word of God. Amen? Come on, amen? So we are at this point, ending a series called Rethink. It's something God put in my heart as God's been stirring me so much for a while. And, and I know it may seem that, Pastor, you're really shifting this way in the church with some things. And, and I would encourage you, um, follow the Holy Spirit with me. Follow the Holy Spirit with me and that we don't, we don't get stuck in patterns Somebody say, rethink. And when the Lord gave that to me, I said, Lord, I, I don't want us to become a church that's man's wisdom. Ever. I need the Holy Spirit every day. So I want to encourage you, please don't think your pastor is getting off into humanism and human mindset. But I will tell you, as a visionary, and I believe I'm anointed for this planted planet, and I don't say that arrogantly, I believe God has put a word in my heart for the church, the body of Christ. Growing up in the church, I don't even know the day I got born again. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of seven. But I will tell you this, that there are things in the church that needs to change. The message does not. Methods do. Well, some messages do need to change. Because they're not based on God's word. We've called truth, we've called opinion truth. And so this is why God has stirred my heart. Even when I did XYZ, the, the series XYZ, I, it didn't, I didn't mean to throw somebody off by doing something like that series. I'm trying to bring a shift in the church by the Holy Spirit. I didn't decide to do that. The Holy Spirit gave me that. I didn't get that from somebody's book. I don't do that. I seek God. And the reason is we've got to start answering questions in the body of Christ. And even in the XYZ series, if there was a question that wasn't answered, or you thought I answered, didn't answer, you need to come and ask me, because I am not a gray area person. I'm black and white when it comes to truth. I'm not a pastor that's a compromiser. I'm a pastor that's not afraid of man. I'm afraid of God. 
And I, I realize now more than ever, as the body of Christ, there's a lot going on right now. There's people leaving churches left and right and even Daystar. Trying out a new one down the road, trying out this where the lights are bigger and this and where it's a gospel of convenience and not a gospel of commitment. And I get all that. And God is really having to deal with my heart not to look at the crowd. And he's doing a lot in my heart because saying, Scott, don't listen to man. What I said in my word is true. Many will fall away, he said. That doesn't mean they quit going to church. That means they find a place where what's preached suits their lifestyle. I call it a golden calf Christianity. Let's make God how I want him. Is this too hard? Well, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to preach with much love. I've heard preaching that was not preached in love. But just because someone tells the truth doesn't mean there's not love. In fact, if you tell me the truth, that means you love me. If you're getting ready to walk off a cliff and you're blind, I'm going to go and grab you and say, you're about to fall off a cliff. And there's a lot of blind people spiritually today that I am called to be a prophet. And I don't say that, yucky prophet. I don't need $100 for one prophecy or 200 But prophets are real. You can't throw prophets out because you've seen bad stuff on television. And I believe that there are many prophets that are called of God, not for gain. And there are a voice crying in the wilderness. And I believe I am such that. And I believe... I'm like Jesus. Whenever you saw Jesus in the Word of God, he was, please receive what I'm about to say, he was causing controversy most of the time. Listen to this word today. Jesus caused a lot of controversy, not among the sinners. But really, he never called them the sinners, by the way. He called them the lost. He was always stirring up. Why? Because he came against Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus came against lifeless, fruitless systems. He came against lifeless, fruitless religion. Things that, that, that said, we represent the Father, and Jesus said, that ain't my daddy. You ever had somebody misrepresent somebody in your family? And you're like, I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not my dad, that's not my pastor, that's, that's not my husband. You're misrepresenting. And I, I believe there's a whole lot of misrepresentation of the heart of God. Either on this end or on this end. One ditch or the other. And my heart is burning right now. That's why I did the XYZ series. It wasn't to cause people to get, what are we doing at church? No, we have got to start answering the 20-year-old's questions. And not just through a sermon. Well, pastors, the truth enough, the truth will set you free. But we as Christians have skirted around apologetics. We've skirted around apologetics. We don't answer questions fully. Why do you believe that? I just do. Mom did. And I think we've come up with a gospel without a power. And according to the word of God, the gospel has power. Power to save. And the gospel is enough. I was telling a young preacher that I'm working on something in myself, that every message I preach must always go back to Jesus. 
because Jesus is perfect theology. My theology may get messed up somewhere. Your theology may get messed up by listening to people on Facebook or even Christian television. But there's one way that you'll have perfect theology. Look at Jesus. If you don't find it in the word, then don't do it. No matter what pastor says it. The word of God is the final authority in all things. And so this whole rethink, Jesus was always coming against fruitless systems. Systems that, you know, the hamster on the wheel, but you're not going anywhere. You have a whole lot of action, but you're not really going anywhere. You're doing a lot in the church. And right now, God is stirring me. I'm even having a, a, a meeting this Wednesday night with a lot of our leaders because we've got to make sure the foundations are correct. We've got to make sure that we're not spinning our wheels because the world is spinning its wheels. One minute, the Republicans blame the Democrats. One minute, the Democrats blame the Republicans. And God is allowing this big stir up. He's allowing it so that man's heart will turn to God. Because the only answer for this nation is a repentant heart, a heart that is after God, a heart that follows hard after him. That's why like never before, like the deer pants for the water. So, Lord, my soul longs for you. I cannot drink from this world any longer. The water tastes terrible in this world. But there is living water that is available to every believer. Jesus said, I've come that you may have living water. I've come that you may have life. Drink of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was always coming against fruitless routines. That did not bring true, here's the word, transformation. Somebody say transformation. That is what the word of God, that is what Jesus is all about. He comes to make the cocoon open and the butterfly come out metamorphosis, transformation in every person's life. That's the power of his word. It's not about, it's not us. This week I, I, I ministered in Oklahoma and then I had to fly from Oklahoma to California because we have not really got to spend much time with Ethan Allen. They needed to help, help moving. So we went to California and my son is blessed. He gets to work at Facebook as an engineer got a tremendous favor job working at Facebook. So we went there, and, and Ethan says, Dad, I'm, I'm taking you to work with you and Mom to work with me, and, and they, they, they allow me to do all this, and it's like a city. They feed you for free, whatever you want, ice creams. They got a sweet shop. It's like you're in another world. And, and there's vending machines with all these Apple products that if you want something, you just go to it and push it, and it falls out. You don't ever pay for it. Now, I could stop and preach a whole lot right here about the kingdom and what the kingdom should be. But I was blown away, Dalton, when I went. I got to tour Facebook with Ethan and Instagram. It was the most amazing thing. Right there, Mark Zuckerberg. Ethan works in the same building, just a few feet from his office. And there's 20-something buildings. I'm just so proud of my son. But I got, it, it, it's, I, God was already messing with my heart through XYZ and all this about, Scott, I'm going to use you as a catalyst. Push the walls down. The church has got to change. They're stuck. They need a paradigm shift. They've got on the same lenses they've been wearing, and their prescription's wrong. They're looking through the wrong lenses right now. They've, they've got to hear what I'm saying right now in order to reach the world because the Muslims are reaching everybody. 
so my, my mind was blown at the same time. Don't I look smarter just hanging out with all the nerds? I mean, you're talking 25,000 employees. My mind was stretched. God's been stretching my mind. I've had meetings in my office lately that's pushed me to the next of helping me. You know what? I, I got to keep pushing this thing by the Holy Spirit. I've got to enlarge what God is saying right now. Because I don't want hamster on a wheel church. And he's been taking me to his word. And that's today I want to talk to you about. I, I entitled it. What I entitled it? Rethink all of it. That's what I entitled today. Isn't that, isn't that just so good? Isn't that a great title? Rethink all of it. So the, the first week we talked about disciples, discipleship. The second week we talked about uh the church, rethink church, and then I could just preach several messages on it. And then the third week, I think, was re- rethink evangelism. Well, today I just want to squash it all together and talk about all of it. While I was away, I was just seeking God and trying to hear the voice of God. Just saying, Lord, talk to me. Talk to me for Daystar. You love Daystar. He loves us. And he loves you so much. That he's not a God that dangles his wheel and says, and blindfold said, now try to grab it. No, he's a God. He's a real dad. He's a father that says, come, I want you to come this way. No, 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 don't go through that way. You're going to fall off that cliff. That's the love of God. You have many teachers, but you have not many fathers. Because a father's going to warn. A father sets boundaries. Something the world says we don't need. We're losing ourselves. But I want you to ask yourself, because I went around Facebook, and I'm actually going to, believe it or not, preach a message called My Day at Facebook. Because I was going around Facebook, and I was just taking notes by the Holy Spirit. Ethan was just laughing up a storm. I said, man, God's talking to me the whole time I'm here at Facebook. Talking to me. Talking to me about the church, about the kingdom. He got me to thinking even more, rethink. He got me thinking, thinking, thinking. Because even in the word of God, God used the disciples' brains. They said it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. And that tells me they reasoned first, but then the Holy Spirit trumps everything. But does God want the church to rethink some things? I think so. I think we need to rethink some things. It doesn't mean the ways of Moses was wrong, but guess what? Joshua does not lead with a staff. He leads with a sword. And so many still want Moses with a staff, and they don't want Joshua with a sword. And I've struggled with that for 13 years of being here, taking over after this man. People still want a staff when they don't want the sword. You've got to move with what the Holy Spirit's saying, or you'll make it miserable for everybody. I'm preaching really good. question to ask yourself that I, as I sat this week out under the sun, I was outside to write this message. I began to write this message. I, I just had everybody leave me alone. And Christy went with Allie somewhere and, and Ethan was away at work. And I just said, God, I need you to talk. He brought this message to me. And here's the first question I want to ask you as I ask myself, are there lifeless, fruitless routines in your life as a believer? What a challenge. Ask yourself, let's be so honest today, can we? Because 
God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And we determine what that fully, if it comes to pass or not. God can say, Scott, I've anointed you for the nations, but all I may ever see is Tuscaloosa. There's nations in Tuscaloosa, if that's what he meant. I don't have really a desire to go and travel to other nations, but God's word can come forward in your life, but you determine if it's really going to come to pass. And we've got to ask ourselves, what's going on in my life? Don't ask about your husband. Don't ask about your wife, your best friend, or even your pastor. Right now, we need Psalm 139 in the body of Christ more than ever. Somebody knows what I'm about to say, right? Psalm 139. Search me, O God. See if there be anything not in Pastor Scott. See if there be some stuff up in Scott that's affecting me being Pastor Scott. See if there's something in me that's affecting me and my life, my kingdom assignment on my life. Are there lifeless, fruitless routines? And maybe there are lifeless, fruitless routines in the church. Maybe at Daystar. In fact, there are. You've got to step back and rethink and rebuild. And what the Holy Spirit is saying right now, life has a way of knocking you off course. Life has a way of getting you stuck where you're so comfortable eating the same ice cream you won't try the new. You won't move to your next because it's scary to move to your next. But with God, all things are possible. Why sit you here till you die? Rethink it all. Somebody say, rethink it all. Because you really cannot separate discipleship, the church, and evangelism. You can't do it. You cannot separate those three. It all works together. Being a disciple, being the church, and reaching others. Matthew 28, he says this, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. So Jesus, like he did most of his time, is hanging with just the fellas here. His inner core, his staff. His pastors, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many of us, we have all authority because of Jesus. And we've heard this a hundred times, but please, during this word today, please allow your heart to be moved by God. Because we've heard this scripture so many times. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Somebody say, make disciples. Of all the nations, ethnic groups, all colors of skin, all ethnicities. He says, what else are they to do? After you make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the commandments, all the things that I've commanded you. He didn't say, let them know all my promises. Promises follow commandments. Blessings follow obedience. And the church is somehow wanting toys are us while we're acting like a spoiled, rotten child. And any father that takes their daughter or son to toys are us to buy a toy when they've been acting up is a bad dad. I'm preaching real good right now. 
Now, maybe I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to Scott today. I don't preach this message at you. I preach it with you. He said, go and make disciples. The church has become good at making decisions. The church is good at making conversions. The church is good at making Christians. The church is even good at making excuses. But he tells us, go. Two-thirds of God's name is go, G-O. He tells us. Now, I'm talking to believers today. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you're going to be given an opportunity at the end of this message to receive the greatest gift you could ever receive, and that's salvation. Already paid for. But today, this message is really geared toward believers and toward disciples. He says, go and make what? We are to make disciples. What will change this world and what will change America is a true reformation of biblical discipleship. I'm preaching good. You go and visit another country, another nation, and I've had the opportunity to visit many. I went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas a couple weeks ago where half of the school is Brazilian. That school is experiencing revival. It's where Isaiah is probably going to go to school next year for Bible school in Dallas. Revival. I mean, just God moving. And you hear about the great revivals in Brazil right now. I mean, I'm talking thousands. You hear about the revivals that's taking place in other nations. Africa, where Bishop, and I get to go sometimes. And I know this is going to be a hard one about to say, but if you take a disciple from Brazil and a disciple from America and put them side by side, I think there's a big difference. I need you to help me. I said I'm talking to all of us. If you put a disciple that walks 12 miles to church in Africa to hear the word of God, I don't feel like it. I ain't going to church. I, I'm stopped up. I got a sinus headache. Come on, say amen. Listen, I am determined. If I'm left with 10 people in this place, I'm going to preach what God tells me to preach. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach being a true disciple. We need it. We all need it. Mama used to say, you'll thank me later. I may not hear from you. You may leave Daystar because you're not, be, you're not given a bottle when you have a beard. And you'll find an excuse to leave and go to another ministry, another church. Because you don't want to shift with what God is doing. And that's why our heart must be so attached to the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm off Facebook right now. Deactivated my account. I can't take it anymore. Believers. The noise. The only noise I want to hear is that of a mighty rushing wind called the Holy Ghost that runs through my house, that runs through my bedroom at night, the wind of the Holy Ghost in my life. That's the sound. That's the noise I want to hear right now, Isaiah. Put Scott beside. I'll use myself beside someone that's on fire in Brazil. I'm not so sure I measure up. 
to even just being an average layperson at church in Brazil. I pray I do. I'm pretty on fire for God. I will tell you that. I spend a lot of time with Jesus. And I spend a lot of time discipling. Too much, in fact. Because you could do too much. I'll talk about that later. There's a big difference. Baptism is not the finish line. It's the starting line. You see that? Baptism is not the finish line. It's the starting line. You don't get saved to get comfortable. We do have a mission. We as disciples, the body of Christ. Oh, it's on after baptism. Baptism is where I go public. Baptism is where I go public with all my friends about Jesus is my Lord and I'm not ashamed. I'm not an undercover Christian. Not ashamed of Jesus. Listen to this. We are not just saved from something. We're actually saved for something. We are not just saved from something. We're saved for a purpose. By a purpose. It's God, the Father. There's action. We're not just, glory to God, I'm saved from hell. Well, we can all rejoice over that. But that's not the focus even of God. I'm saved to make disciples, starting with my house. that's why in the last two or three years, you've seen me focus on my house. I've had people get upset about that. All you do is talk about your family and the miracle in your house. Well, don't you want your pastor's house to get healed first? Many times we get jealous at what is happening in other people's lives because we're not willing to pay the price ourselves. When we shut off all the noise, the TVs, and all the junk in our life, We'll experience revival with our kids. But as long as Xbox is being the parent, as long as YouTube and Netflix is parenting your kids, you will never see revival in your house or in your life. As long as you are still playing with toys, is this too hard? All the amens are slowly getting lighter. Hit somebody say he's preaching. We're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. Yes, I pray that you feel love from my heart as a pastor. I want to love you. My, my, my role, my job, whatever you want to call it, my calling as a shepherd. If you're a real shepherd, you can't help but to love people. It's not regulated to a certain demographic or color of skin, nor is it a demographic of age. I love just young people. I love just older people. I love just them. If you're a pastor, you can't help. You have to love everybody. Or you're not a real pastor. You're a selective people pastor. And my role is to love you. I'll hug any of y'all today and give you the biggest kiss. And I've probably done it so much that it's not even healthy. No, I'm serious. But according to Ephesians 4, which you'll see on the screen, 
my job, my role, my what I'm supposed to do to y'all as Daystar Family Church is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And it goes on to say at the last part, to mature, to grow you up. It says to grow you up. I won't take time to read it. You can read it yourself. It's to grow you up into the head of Christ, into the mind of Christ. I want to grow up into his brain. I want to grow up into Jesus' brain. I want my brain, his brain, to just sit on my brain. I want to have the mind of Christ about my wife, my kids, about you. I want to love people that drive me crazy, and I'm going to love them even more. Because that's what God is all about. My role as a pastor is not to make everybody comfortable. I'm not parenting according to 2017, which says, hey, be best friends with your kids. That is detrimental for you to try to be your, your kid's best friend without being their parent first. I must first be your pastor. I'm not your texting buddy. I can't be. I'm preaching good. According to Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, it's to equip you. Now, I'll be honest. We've got to get better at that. We're going to get better. We've got to grow you up. We've got to mature you. We do have to focus on who's in the house. I look at who's in this house. Jeremy, my boy right here, who God brought you to Daystar. I love you so much. You've been coming two or three months. I'm so honored that you're in this house. What a mighty calling is on your life. But I've got to put some more weapons in your hands. We've got to equip the body of Christ so that we're not whipped on Monday. Get equipped, don't get whipped. Come on, somebody. That, that's what we have to do. Role is to equip you. The church has been focused on building a building and not the church. We have to build the church. We all have to build the church. I grew up where they expected my dad as the pastor to do everything. And, I, and it, all, it just almost destroyed our family. My sister hated church. Those type of pastors. You know, where the pastor should be doing everything. That's not discipling. In fact, when you study, Jesus spent 90% of his time with just those few. Well, that's not being a good pastor. Now, if Jesus was Scott, and I'm just the perfect pastor, he would text everybody back. He would check on everybody. He would return all his inboxes with, on Facebook with people needing you, needing help. He would then also pastor his staff, which are different levels of maturity. Result, he'd never go to the cross. He would be overwhelmed. He would become familiar to everybody. Well, he wait a minute. He prayed for me, and I got healed. I want to have dinner with him. No, if I, he does that, the 12 would not be multiplied in others. We, we, we've got to change our mindsets about, say, say to say, I am a disciple. I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to give you a chance. If you're not one, don't say it. Say, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Say, I am to mature every day as a believer in result, making disciples. That's it. That's even it for me. I first got to make sure I save my family. You got to make sure your house is healthy. Please don't go win your, your workplace when your family's neglected. Please don't witness to that woman at work when you never witness to your wife. Come on. If you seek to build a church, you will rarely produce disciples. But if you seek to make disciples, you'll always get discouraged. What did Jesus do? discipling that poor group, he couldn't disciple everybody. Imagine people got envious and jealous of his time. Well, there was a time when Jesus spent like two or three days with me, and now he doesn't ever talk to me. I guess my time is up. I need to go to another ministry. I don't feel connected. Those are the words. I don't feel connected like I used to. You need to check your connector. Because you're going to be in the same place 20 years from now. If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. There's a time God will put you in the Garden of Gethsemane and let everybody fall asleep. And you can get mad at everybody falling asleep or you can see what God is trying to do in your life. You can say, God, change me. Mature me. Because when God is in something, he elevates. He shifts. He promotes our lives. He brings increase. He grows. Paul doesn't grow. Apollos does not grow. He said Paul water, Apollos, I mean Paul planted, Apollos waters, but they don't bring the growth. He goes on to say, hey, check it out. Those two dudes don't bring growth. It's God. But you must receive the seed and the water from Paul and Apollos in order for you to grow. I'm preaching good. I tell you, if Jesus would have been a better Savior, he'd have followed me. He'd be a better pastor if he'd look at Scott's life and how I pastored. No. There's times where I felt like he's left me, and he hasn't. Made me want to leave JC Ministries, but I didn't. And here's the point, because I was praying this week. We have a tendency to live off somebody else's relationship. Say, I am a disciple. So here's the big question. I know I'm asking a lot of questions. These are questions God asked me this week as I sat there. Can you be a disciple without making a disciple? See? This is a big question, Sila. Can you be a disciple 
without making a disciple. Now, for years, and even now, I'm changing. I thought discipleship was basically helping Bill become a better husband. I thought discipleship was helping Jane become a better wife and mom. I thought discipleship was helping Sam live pure as a single adult and a college student. That, that's, that's what disciple is. I'm going to teach him how to live pure or John how to pray. For years and years, even up to recently, I've thought that's what discipleship is. You say, well, Pastor, what's wrong with it? That's good. It is good, but by itself it's detrimental. Because that's not full biblical discipleship. It's actually very dangerous to disciple that way. And I'm just getting a hope. This is where the American churches went wrong when it comes to making disciples. The church in America has made it about me. Yes, we must help Bill, Jane, whoever I named, Fred, Sam, John. We must help them become controlled by the Holy Spirit in their lifestyle. But then they must become channels of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we have failed. That's where Scott maybe has failed you as a pastor. Yes, we want to teach you to live a life controlled by the Spirit of God so you'll be a better husband, wife, mother, single adult. But that's not the purpose of the gospel. It's just that. It's for you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, but then for you to become a channel of the Holy Spirit. If I have electricity inside of me and I grab your hand, trust me, it's going inside of you. I become a channel of the power. I don't keep it to myself. That's biblical discipleship. You see, six. what are biblical disciples? 16 times in the New Testament, you'll find the phrase, listen, listen to this, this is good, you'll find the phrase filled with the Spirit. 16 times in the New Testament. We in the Spirit-filled church, we love that phrase. It says 16 times in the New Testament, filled with the Spirit. 12 of the 16 is directly tied to the Great Commission. Somebody say, wow. 12 of the 16 times. It doesn't say, Paul, filled with the Spirit, overcame his anger problem. It doesn't say, Peter, filled with the Spirit, became a better husband to his wife. No, Acts 4.31 is one of the examples. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Result, they spoke the word of God with boldness. Biblical discipleship is, yes, getting born again, being taught. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Being discipled by someone else. In fact, you should always continue to be discipled by spiritual mothers and fathers in your life. But in result, it's not only do you learn to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, but then the Holy Spirit moves through you into other people's lives, and you're able to speak the Word of God with boldness. 
That was to the whole church. The gift of the Holy Spirit is meant to flow into us and then out of us. I truly believe the church and why so many struggle is because we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit without engaging the Great Commission. And we want our lives cleaned up, but we don't want to rearrange our lives for the Great Commission. I'm going to say it again. The church, I believe the church and why so many struggle is because we tap into, we have an altar call. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. We tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, but we never engage in the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. Many times we want our lives cleaned up, but we don't want to rearrange our lives for the Great Commission. Discipleship extends beyond personal sanctification. Did you hear that? Discipleship extends beyond God cleaning me up and going to an altar and saying, forgive me. Whoo, I'm good to go. It goes beyond personal sanctification. When it comes to making disciples, can you be a disciple without making a disciple? Answer that question. Can you be a disciple without making a disciple? And I'm talking to people that's been born again a while. I've been saying, God, am, am I a real disciple? It's Scott, do I really understand what a real disciple is? I do know this. Before you can make them, you first got to be one. Am I, are you a disciple of Jesus? One of the greatest passages that I love on discipleship, go with me to John 6 and write it down if you would. This is one of my favorite passages on discipleship. Jesus has this huge crowd following him because he's been doing a lot of miracles. You know, he's been doing everything. He's my vending machine. He's everything that I need. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus wants to be your all in all. But I want you to watch this because this is in red letters. This is Jesus. Perfect theology. Most certainly, I say unto you, you can read the whole chapter, but I only picked these 20 scriptures, 19 scriptures. Most certainly, I say to you, he who believes in me, this Jesus talking, has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Yay. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread, Jesus says which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give you is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews, therefore, quarreled, the religious, among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? What's he into cannibalism? This is sick. This is demonic. What's going on here? He wants us to eat his flesh? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh. Oh, there you see, I told you. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood. You have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Check it out. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, and he who feeds on me will live because of me. He who feeds on me, Jesus says, is going to live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in, in church <laughs> as he taught in Capernaum. Watch this. Watch. This got me. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, many of his what? When they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Jesus said, let me break it down. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to one of them, he said to them, does this offend you? It would in 2017. Because everybody's offended. Over the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's called selfishness, church. It's called not being ruled by the Holy Spirit. And a lot of Christians are participating in it. They've made church about them. What then, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. He says this to the church, the crowd. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would betray him. He said to them, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my father. Verse 66. From that time, many, say many, of his, what? Went back and walked with him no more. The cost was too much. You can't keep serving Jesus at your Santa Claus. He finally laid it out there and said, why are you guys following me? Because I'm like the parent taking you to Toys R Us if you're not following me and obeying my commandments. What did he mean by eat my flesh and drink my blood? Relationship. <laughs> I love this. It says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, you guys want to go too? Look at that. He turns to only the folks that are left. So we just like cut the church down like 80% or more. Jesus would not be asked to preach at a pastor's conference. I promise you. Because he just had most of the church walk out on him when he told them to basically You've got to have relationships, and you've got to grow up. And the church went, wait a minute, go back to the miracles. i got a headache. Wait a minute, Facebook me back. I need you right now, Jesus. No, I'm hurting you by only meeting your needs. I'm hurting you by only being that pastor that meets your needs. 
I must teach you that you've got to mature and grow up. To the place where when you have a headache because you've been eating my flesh and drinking my blood, you can lay hands on yourself and it will go. You don't have to call Pastor Charles. Jesus is right there. You have the power. Not only did you are you controlled by the Holy Spirit, but now we're teaching you to let the Holy Spirit flow out of you. Anoint your child with oil. Do you have a jar of oil in your house? Do you have oil in your house for when your kids get sick? Do you know how to grab hands in your house and pray in the Holy Ghost? Having church in your house. I know people are getting tired of me saying I've been having church in my house, but I'm trying to make a point. You can have church in your house. Pastor Scott can't come to your house and have church with everybody. We've got to have church there before we have it here. The reason we're not having it here and people are getting dried up is because you're not having church at home. And it's God doing it. It's not just Daystar. It's not Scott. God is trying to wake the church up saying, you can't keep coming to church once a week. You are the church. You must be the church. You must let the power of the Holy Spirit move at home. Cut the noise off. Grow up. Mature. We've made it a gospel of convenience. I don't know why they changed the time. I don't know why they're changing the time. I don't, I don't know why they're doing service like that now. God, that breaks my heart. And maybe Scott's just shaking things up to wake you up. What if I were to say, we're going to stop church right now at 1142, and we're all going to go out to the mall and witness? Ugh. Ugh. What? Go watch your NFL game? Go get your belly fat with your fried chicken? Is more important than telling somebody how much God loves them because they could die tonight. I'm preaching good. He said, bring the good news. Bring the gospel. The good news is you can be alive in him. But if you're not alive, you need to check if you're alive. In him. He looked at the crowd and said, I'm going to find out who's the real deal. It's the first day of class. Let me scare everybody and find out who's going to stick around. Y'all remember that, professor? Scare the mess out of you the first day. Next day, well, now that we got rid of those, did you know there were things that Jesus couldn't even say till Judas left the room? John 15, 14, 15, 16, 17. Go read it. Why? You better be careful who you talk to. You better be careful who you say. And sometimes God's got to shift and move. Because it just can't get it. We find external reasons. What if we just cut the strings off? You know what the Lord said to me today? The church is absolutely babying disciples. I said, what do you mean? He says, man, if the screens are not on, if people don't have their screen in front of them, they don't bring their Bibles anymore. They don't even know where scriptures are found because they're always on the screen. If I were to say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, which is the most important scripture right now in 2017, where is it found? Where's the address? Tell me. 
Where's that scripture? If you don't know that something and you've been saved a long time, something's wrong. We can quote Cam Newton's statistics. We can quote everybody else. We can quote Stefan, Steph's statistics. We know the score of the game, but we don't even know the word of God. I got to calm down. Because I don't want to come across mean. Because I don't like mean religion. I bet they thought Jesus was being mean. One thing I noticed, Nicole, Jesus didn't turn around to them. He said when all of them started leaving, wait a minute, guys, just kidding. Try to tithe when you want to. Try to serve as an usher at least once every six months. And try to tell people the gospel. They eat my flesh and drink my ears a little bit over the top, sorry. A little bit over the top. I don't really expect all that. Yes, he does. For in 2030, when you're standing there, and everything's going this way, you will remember this message. You will remember that I cannot live off of cotton candy Christianity. You know what cotton candy Christianity is? It's fluffy, pink. It looks so good. But you ever put cotton candy in your mouth? What happens? There was no meat, Pastor. That's why I'm going to give you meat. So that if I'm not around in 2030, you'll remember my pastor told me the truth. He told me about i got to understand what discipleship is. Discipleship is not about being popular. It's about being powerful. If you're waiting on popularity at school, guys, it's not going to happen. At the same time, if you'll trust God, he will raise you up to be a mouthpiece for your whole senior class. Just hold on. The affliction comes first. The hate comes first. The elevation comes after. But you've got to be willing to endure. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Is that the Bible? He that, so I, I've got to have endurance. Everybody understands that word, right? If you work out, you've got to have endurance. It's, it's easy to start a race fast. It's another thing to finish it. And if the enemy gets you weak, then he has that guy show up to sleep with you and you'll sleep with him. Then he'll bring this in your life and this in your life. And then you're looking for this. Then you start smoking weed because it makes you feel good. And you start relying on all the systems of this world. And then you end up growing apart. we just grown apart from your wife or husband. And then there's that guy at work. And, this, and it's because you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. You've forgotten the gospel, the word of God operating in your life. Is this too hard? gospel is not a consumer gospel. Feed me, Seymour. It is not that. Listen, I'm being honest. Christian, I've been in so much prayer saying, Jesus, what are you saying? I feel like a fish out of water as a pastor. Not, I'm not going anywhere. I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that you, somebody could have heard wrong. It's not what I meant. Pastor Scott is not going anywhere. Y'all can't run me off. But let me just say it this way. It's not even that because I used to hear that. I don't want to run off. I don't want to be run off. I love y'all so much. I could kiss every one of you. 
Seriously. I know that sounds freaky weird to the guests. They're like, whoa, Jesus. What type of church is this? No. It sounds like a statement Paul would make, to be honest. I kiss you, my brethren, with a holy kiss. Because I love you. I want to see you soar so fast as a disciple. I want to see you explode, Christy, as a woman of God. I don't want you fighting the same stuff next year because you're not growing. But I can't make you grow. Who are you being discipled by? Well, I'm mature in the Lord. Danger. I found two things at my age. I'm 46 that I never I'm fathering but I never stop being fathered. Ever. Because then I become an island to myself. And then you surround with people that are yes people, that say the same thing you want them to say. They don't mind going out and doing the same things you do. And they call themselves Christians. And you know that's not in the word of God. Come on. Ask somebody beside you, who's discipling you? Now time out. Time out, 2017. I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm not talking about Stephen Furtick's new book. I'm not talking about magazines and podcasts and books. I'm talking about somebody in the flesh. Because you can't tell a book to leave you alone. You can cut a podcast off. But you can't. If if I'm discipling you and I say, where are you at on Monday night for Monday night prayer? Well... No, no, no. If you want me to disciple you, you're going to come to Monday night prayer. Uh, I, I don't know about that. No, don't tell me you want me to show up and put a bandaid on your boo-boo when you don't even know how to pray. The Bible says, teach Jesus taught them to. Jesus taught them to. You want to be discipled? Start coming on Monday night. Learn how to pray. Get filled up with the Holy Spirit. We're going to do, so, do something at the first of the year, and I'm not even going to give it away. And I'm telling you, it's Jesus that God told me in my heart that I personally am going to be doing for this church on Wednesday nights. And when that's offered, I wonder who's going to show up. Because we're not going to put big flyers out. We're not going to post it all over the place. It's going to be announced at church, whoever wants this, 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 and this, come this. Because I found a long time ago, you cannot force feed anybody. And I'll say this about all of us. You can't make anybody grow up. Growing up is a decision. Pastor, I got marriage problems. Grow up. Walk in humility. I just saw that's the best marriage counseling you ever hear in your life. If two people walk in humility, you'll have the greatest marriage. Done. Say, I'm sorry to each other. Stop being bullheaded. Stop being stubborn. Stop always having to be right. Humble yourself to each other. The man humbles himself to the wife. The wife humbles himself to the husband. You listen to each other. You read the word of God together. You pray together. You cut off the stupid reality junk TV that's on TV. You start doing the things that are healthy in your life. You start taking care of your body. You'll be all right. That's the best marriage counseling. That's the best friends counseling. 
You want to solve a problem between two friends? Both of you humble yourself. Because usually everybody's wrong and everybody's right. Learn to listen. The gospel, the, being a disciple according to the word. And I could read you other passages of Jesus. But he basically telling the crowd, y'all are following me for the wrong reasons. You, you, you show up for the crusade. You show up for one big Christmas. You show up for, for when you get a free bag. But, but you're not showing up to serve. I mean, we just did a funeral uh, a few weeks ago where literally three to 400 people got born again. Three or 400 people got born again. Three or 400 people accepted Jesus. We needed ushers and greeters. That's making disciples, y'all. Look, I'll let you preach. I'll, I'll be a great usher. I'm telling you, I'd be a stinking usher, man. I'd be like at the front door like the guy out there directing traffic. I'd be so filled with joy out there on the, in, the, in, in the parking lot parking cars. Why? Because there's joy in me. People need life. They need joy. They need the good news of the gospel. And it doesn't start at 1050. The good news does not start at 1050 on Sunday when the pastor starts preaching. The good news is every day. The good news is in the parking lot. The good news is in you. You are the good news. I got to stop. No, I really do. No, 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 I really do. What time is it? We got to stop. Okay, so <laughs> say this. Say, wait for it. Y'all know that statement, wait for it, like when somebody says a video, wait for it. So that statement came into my heart as I was thinking about something. Wait for it. Because we're talking about disciples, making disciples, the church, evangelism. I really believe more than ever. Now listen to this. Let your ears hear this real good for Daystar. I believe God is moving more than ever in prophetic evangelism. Write those two words down if you need to remember them. And trust just the pastor, just for Daystar Family Church. More, more for, I believe for all Christians, but this is prophetic evangelism. Let me, let me explain. I thank God for books. I thank God for one of the greatest soul winners, Billy Graham. And there's books that you can read with, you know, the how-to and evangelize and soul win. Those are great. Those are good principles, good guidelines. But I'm telling you, if you'll take those principles and use prophetic evangelism, we will reach this city. What do I mean? So I have examples of this because this is what I do a lot, to be honest. I'm not tooting my own horn. I, I operated prophetic evangelism like crazy. Wayne Holyfield, you, uh, he says, I just, you blow my mind. Because literally, wherever I go, y'all, God uses me because I'm available. I'm not in there grabbing my milk, upset myself because I hadn't prayed in five days and I'm mad at the world. No, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. That's why I pray every morning. I stay watered because you don't want me to get brown and grumpy. So I've got to stay watered so that when I'm out in the world, the world will not get on my nerves. And I will love the unlovable and people that are doing stupid stuff. I can still love them. That's why I stay watered. So, I mean, I don't care if I'm in Walmart, the gas station. Christy will tell you, my, my son's, I minister to everybody I come across. 
And I, I, I use, I think I'm an okay preacher. I think I'm a great, but I think I'm really greatly used one-on-one. Like, I think that's where my anointing, so many of you have sat in my office with me. I think that's where God uses me the most. I love preaching the word, but he really uses me one-on-one, prophetically. And prophetically is not saying the end of the world is happening and this, you know. Prophetically is not seeing all the, you can see things, but prophetic, it's, it's encouragement, but it's also the voice of the Lord that will bring alignment. Whatever, it's really whatever God wants to say. Whether it is correction or it is encouragement, because correction is encouragement. Depends on how you view it. So everywhere, I mean everywhere, and I'm talking to waiters and waitresses like crazy at restaurants I go to. And it's re- very easy how, how I do it. I, I, I'm usually joking around. My kids laugh and say, what's up with you? What's happening? What's going on? What's going on with you, girl? Tell me what's going on in your life. Because a lot of college students are waiter waitresses. They're like, oh, nothing. Just going to school. What are you going to school for? What's your major? Oh, cool. Wow. You know what? God has a big plan for your life. And then they sit there, and then the Holy Spirit comes on me to speak prophetically, not something weird. Let me explain that even. So this week, Ethan tells me, Dad, I meet with a group of really big tech people on Wednesdays for coffee in San Francisco. And he says, I want you to go with me. You and Mom, go with me. I said, cool. So we get up, we take the train in, that kind of thing into San Francisco, get there. And there's probably 10 to 15 tech people, top tech people, Google, Twitter, Apple, Facebook, Uber. These are all these guys that are high up in these companies, tech guys. And, man, I just get out there on that pier, and I'm, like, clapping. I I made a tech joke to make everybody laugh because Ethan told me I should say it. And so I did what he said, and kind of got in their world. They're like, your dad's cool. He's all right. You know, you know, trying to be cool, you know. Talking to them, loving on them. And guys, the the Holy Ghost came. You realize the rapture can happen like that. You realize the coming of the Lord would be just like that. We used to use that as an illustration to the youth group. Oh, God! Right, Dawson? <laughs> He's coming like that. <laughs> whatever works, you know? Show him the movie or whatever. Scare him to death, you know what I'm saying? Scare him into heaven. So, I, God comes. I ain't said nothing about being a preacher. In fact, I'm talking to one guy, what do you do? I'm, 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 I'm a consultant. That's what I tell everybody when I'm meeting with them tonight. I'm a consultant or I'm a motivational speaker. Because I use strategy. When I minister to people, and I minister all the time, so a lot of people ask me, what do you do? I'm a consultant, and I, I do motivational speaking. So I start talking to these guys, and these are guys from different nations, too, and all different races. It's, it's really cool, and they, I mean, these are the, these are, I mean, my brain got so big standing there, because these guys are like the top, these are like top guys in Google, Apple, Twitter, you name it. I'm like, hanging among Don't say something about me. It's not about Ethan, about me. So I'm standing there talking, and we're just loving for about an hour at that point. And I'd been ministering to one guy named Greg, just loving on him. Again, didn't tell him I was a pastor. Didn't. I'm very careful about my words. I want to find out what planet they're living on and uh, what their faith is and things like that. 
And so, um, and I'd ask the Holy Spirit, just come and use me in any way you want. I do that every day. And so, one guy starts talking to me named Chris. He's actually one of the oldest that's there. Most of the guys are in their 20s, late 20s, early 30s. This guy's actually 44. And he came on this one day, all the way from Sacramento, to join this, to be a part of drinking coffee with this tech club, the thing that they have. I forgot you know the name of what they call it, that kind of thing. So he comes for the first time, and, and I walk over to him, and we're, like, talking, and he realizes I'm Ethan's dad, and I'm like, yeah, what's up? Start talking, and God comes so strong. He starts telling me about his marriage is, is done. The night before, his wife said, I don't want any more. Been together 20 years. He says, I don't know why I'm telling you this stuff. And then he kept saying, I keep giving you way too, I keep giving you way too much information. And I'm like, and, and, you know, and I'm using strategy of how to let him know, no, you're not. Uh, I'm saying words and this is a whole this two hour conversation. He basically says, look, uh, are you a pastor? And I said, yeah. And I, and I said some things about that for a second, but I didn't dwell on that. And he's just unloading. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, well, I don't believe in God. He's an outright atheist. Most of those guys were atheists that I was talking to. I was blessed. I'd rather minister to an atheist than a religious person any day that thinks they know the Bible and they don't even serve God. I'd rather somebody flat out tell me, I don't believe in God, because then God can show himself. So long story short, I start talking to him, prophesying by the Holy Spirit, speaking life. This guy is getting rocked by the Holy Spirit. Um, I respectfully say, I know you don't believe in God, but I do. Let me say this to you. And I openly said, you know what? You're going to go home, and I believe God. I want you to ask God to show himself to you if he's real, Chris. If he's not, he's not. So I told him. I said, if he's not real, just forget about me ever talking to you about this. I said, but do me a favor. Don't go by yourself, because you're on the brink of losing it. Your wife, you've got two kids. And just say, God, if you are real, show yourself to me. Man, the Holy Spirit came, and I respectfully said, you know what? And this after two-hour conversation, a lot was said. I said, I said, I know you don't believe in God. But I really want to pray for you. And he said, sure, sure prayed for him, and the peace of God came so strong. In the conversation, I thought he's like, you know, this guy's probably like, in, in part of side of him saying, like, I got to get away from this dude. Thank God he's only coming to visit Ethan. Again, he had not even met Ethan. He said he had in his heart to come three hours from Sacramento because he's, he's very wealthy, and he has his own business. He does uh, freelance and all that kind of stuff, computer world, and he just felt he needed to come. So, he, he then says to me, uh, you got a card? And I'm one of those preachers that don't have cards. I've tried it. I just don't have them. I just don't have them. <laughs> I just don't have them. Just not a card guy. You know what I'm saying? Here's my card. Um, Prophet chat's line. Uh, so, <laughs> just, just don't. Sorry. Not bad. I just don't have them. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, can I get your number? That meant a lot. So we exchanged numbers. About 30 minutes later, he texted me. He said, 
said, thank you. You just don't know what that means, everything you spoke to me today. And so Chris and Dawn are about to get rocked. That's their names. Say Chris and Dawn are about to get rocked by the Holy Spirit and by the love of God. And guys, that is simple prophetic evangelism is being available. Somebody say, wait for it. Exactly. Wait for it. Go to where you're supposed to go. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm going to Walmart to get some groceries, but I know there's a wait for it. I know that my steps are ordered, so there's some more wait for it. It's coming. I don't know who it is I'm supposed to talk to, but it's coming. Wait for it. Wait. Oh, boom. God led me to you. I just start telling you what's going on. And then the Holy Spirit, the greatest, the greatest weapon you have against the enemy is your story. Of all the stuff you've been through. When you begin to tell your story, everybody likes talking about themselves anyway. So when I start telling my story, I get passionate. When I talk about what Jesus has done in my life, and then it explodes in their life, I'll be telling it. And then the prophetic evangelism begins to operate, and you begin to prophesy to them of things that you're feeling and seeing and you know by the Holy Spirit, that's when they go and even then they go, how did you know this about me? Woman at the well. Who told you this? Remember the woman at the well? I perceive that you are a... Nobody told him, told her that that was Jesus and he was a prophet. Because you don't have to tell people you're a pastor. You don't have to... I can't stand titles. I introduced myself... The whole time I was in Oklahoma, California, um, Scott. Pastoring's what I do. It's not who I am. Somebody say, I am, I am a, disciple. a disciple. Are you glad to be a disciple? Stand with me if you would. I realize that we went late a little bit. I encourage you to go listen to this message again online podcast whenever they put it up because I think I could chew on this forever bow your heads with me if you would please it's gut check time <laughs> for me and everyone God am I your disciple and I'm not so sure I am your disciple if I haven't even been making disciples so I may need to just go back to square one I don't want to be the crowd that leaves you when you say, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. Come on, can we just love on him just a minute? Father, we just love you. Come on from the front to the back, even if you're a guest today. What does that mean, Pastor? I want you to begin to surrender your heart to God. If you want to be a disciple, just surrender right now. The posture of surrender. I am yours. Change me, oh God. Change me, oh Lord. The altars are open too. If you want to come to the altars, you can. Altars are always open. Let's just worship. But if you want to come and pray, please come. If God's pulling you, come, come, come. Come get with God. Come on. And write the story. Oh God. Oh.
It's this simple. This is, this is the simplicity of this message. And I'm going to do it with you as Scott and your pastor. Today, if you desire to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and to make disciples by being disciple too, lift up both your hands right where you are. And say this with me. Say, Father, I am yours. You are mine. I thank you that you love me. That you love me. You died for me. You rose again. I today choose to take up my cross and follow you. Thank you for the power of your love, of freedom in you. I receive new life in me today. And I choose today to be your disciple. I'm your disciple. Use me. Here am I. Send me to the nations, my world, everyone around me to make disciples. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah, come on. Come on, say Jesus. Tomorrow night, we're going to have the Daystar experience. If you're looking for a church, we love our house and we love to teach people. You can sign up out at Connect Central. Also, tomorrow night prayer, 7 o'clock. I encourage you to come out. If you want to learn how to pray, ask someone around you. Ask a pastor. Say, would you pray with me? Show me how to pray. And we want to do that. We want to disciple you. Church, I love you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. God bless you and have an amazing week. Also, sign up for Fill-A-Bag. If you need a bag, a meal for Thanksgiving, make sure you sign up. We want to bless you for Thanksgiving.